your Bibles this morning. We'll turn to Isaiah <coughs> chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. <coughs> and let's read from verse 6. <coughs> Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the wonderful opportunity to come together around your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to each of our hearts today, that you would uh, Lord, give us understanding of your word you would meet us where we're at. You would refresh us and bless us through your word. I pray for your empowering this morning. You would give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. Lord, it would be your words. It would be your thoughts. And that all praise and glory would be given unto you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, back before Christmas, seems like a while ago now, uh, we started a, a mini-series uh, considering this prophecy here by Isaiah. And our focus, of course, has been upon the names that are given unto our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, names which describe for us both his character and also his nature. And we've considered the first four names here in verse 6. We've looked at the name Wonderful, and we saw that it declares the wonderful truth that Christ is unique and wonderful in his person and being. Everything about him uh, excites us as believers as we consider the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. I mean, we just came to the Lord's table and it's truly wonderful what Christ has done. Second name, the name Counselor, declares that Christ is the supreme counselor for every believer, that he is the one we must go to for the answer in every situation, every problem, every question along the way. He's the one we go to for wisdom. And we talked about how he is uniquely qualified for this position because he is both fully God and fully man. As fully God, he's able to know the answer to every problem. As man, he understands what we're going through. Thirdly, we saw the name, the mighty God, a name which clearly expresses for us his deity. He is the mighty God. God, He is the eternal Son of God. He is equal with the Father, of the same essence as the Father. It's a name that also highlights His omnipotence, His power as God. And then last time we considered the name Everlasting Father. A name that declares that Christ is the author of eternity. As the Father of eternity, Christ came to earth to reveal eternity unto us. And to make it possible for us to now share in eternity with him. And finally now this morning we come to the fifth and final name given here to describe our Lord and Savior, the name Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. You know, this is a name that declares Christ to be the author and source of real, lasting, genuine peace. You know, it declares that his very nature, his character, is one of peace. And that real peace can only be found in him 
and it can only be brought about by him. Now, Luke chapter 2, at his birth, the angels declared that Christ came to bring peace on earth. Let's just turn over there, Luke chapter 2. In Luke 2, verse 13. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And this is why Christ came. He came to earth so that we might have peace, so that we might know and understand this genuine, real, lasting peace that's found in Him. You know, peace is something that the world speaks an awful lot about, isn't it? You know, they constantly speak about wanting peace on earth. It's something they long for, they desire for. But, you know, the peace that the world seeks after is not real. It's not lasting. You know, the world, when they talk about peace, they're, they're really speaking about simply the absence of war, aren't they? The absence of conflict. So then peace is silence. It's a quiet, restful existence. You know, what this means is that the peace the world seeks after is a peace that's dictated by their surrounds, isn't it? You know, it's dictated, it's affected by external sources, by the situation going on. But you see, true peace is much more than just silence. It's much more than just the absence of war or conflict. The word peace here, we're in it says in Isaiah 9 verse 6 there where it says the Prince of Peace. That word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And it means a number of things. It means prosperity, well-being. It means harmony within and without. It means peace in one's heart with God. It really is how you could sum it up. It's peace in one's heart with God. Essentially, it's the perfect state of man. Peace. You see, true peace has nothing to do with the situation that's going on around us, but rather with the condition on the inside, the condition in our heart, what's going on within. You see, someone can be in the most peaceful of places, but still be restless, can't they? Still be disturbed, be uneasy. Why? Because of what's going on within. There's inner turmoil. By contrast, someone else can be in the midst of the most trying circumstances, and yet be completely at rest. Why? Because the difference is in the heart. You know, that person in the midst of those circumstances is able to smile, they're able to sing praises and give glory to God because there's peace in their heart. That's what real peace is. It's that contentment within. You know, as the Prince of Peace, Christ exhibited this true and lasting peace right throughout His life here on earth, didn't He? You know, we consider his life and consider the way that he dealt with every situation calmly, every situation without fear. Christ had this peace in his heart, this genuine peace. Now we see it evident in Mark chapter 4 where Christ was able to fall asleep in the boat with his disciples. You know, many of those disciples were hardened fishermen and they're scared by the state of the sea, the storm that's upon them. And yet Christ is fast asleep. He's at peace in the midst of this situation. You know, the disciples were afraid. Why? Because 
the circumstance stole their peace. But Christ is calm, he's at peace, despite the situation because he had a peace in his heart. Because of who he is, he is the Prince of Peace. Here we again see this peace evident at Christ's trial, you know, where Christ is unjustly accused, and yet he remains calm. He remains silent before his accusers. Isaiah 53 verse 7 sums up perfectly Christ's response for us. Isaiah 53 <clears throat> Isaiah 53 and verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, that he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who should declare his generation? For he was out of, uh, cut out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. It says in verse 7 that Christ is oppressed, he is afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. It sums up perfectly his response. Now, while others in Christ's situation would have yelled, would have screamed and protested their innocence, Christ was instead at peace. He remained silent. You know, even as our Lord hung on the cross, we see Christ, the, the Prince of Peace, praying for those who put him there. Luke 23 and verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ is hanging there suffering, and yet he's only concerned about others. He has peace, and he seeks peace for them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, right throughout Christ's life here on earth, we see the evidence of his nature, don't we? We see the evidence of his peace, of true peace. And our Lord's peace didn't come from the absence of trouble, Far from it, his peace came from his relationship with the Father, didn't it? Now, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, it says he committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. Let's just turn there, 1 Peter 2. <clears throat> 1 Peter 2 and verse 23. It says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Christ committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He committed himself to the will of the Father. That's where his peace came from, his relationship with his Father. And his trust in the will of the Father. You know, our Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, came down to earth to share this peace with us, his peace with mankind. There are at least three important ways that Christ gives us peace, and I want to consider those this morning. Consider with me, first of all, this morning that Christ came so that we might have peace with God. So we might have peace with God. Go to Romans chapter 5 with me. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5. And verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here Paul declares that we are now able to have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Prince of Peace. Now, this was the primary purpose of his incarnation. This is the whole reason Christ left heaven's glory, left his throne and came down to earth, became flesh. It was so that he might reconcile us to God. He might bring us back into a relationship with the Father once more. So we might have peace with God. You see, without Christ, there is no peace. Without Christ, it is impossible for you and I to be reconciled to God. Without him, we are, in fact, the enemies of God. We're opposed to God. We're separated from him by our sin. Now, before Adam and Eve sinned, they enjoyed peace with God, didn't they? They enjoyed peace with God in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, it speaks about the wonderful relationship they enjoyed with God. Just turn there, Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> we know it well, but Genesis 3 verse 8 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The start of the verse it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Lord walked in the garden. The Lord talked with them, communed with them, had fellowship with them. They had a close relationship with the Lord. They had peace with God. But of course, that peace was lost the moment Adam and Eve sinned. We saw at the end of verse 8 there where they hide themselves. They're now suddenly afraid of God. Before they enjoyed His presence, now they're scared of God. They're afraid. Why? Because of their sin. The peace that they had is gone. At the end of chapter 3 there, verse 23, Genesis 3, verse 23, it says, Therefore the... The Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turneth every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Here we see the consequence of their sin, don't we? The consequence of their sin was now they were separated from God. They're put forth from the Garden of Eden. They lose that wonderful sweet fellowship they once had. The peace that was theirs is gone. They're now spiritually separated because of their sin. Now, of course, Adam's sin didn't just destroy his peace with God. It brought consequences upon the whole of mankind. It's because of Adam's sin that we are now all born sinners. We're now all the enemies of God separated from him. Romans 5 verse 10 tells us that, that we are the enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 where we were before. <clears throat> Romans 5 and verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we should be saved by His life. We were enemies. That's our state before salvation. We are the enemies of of God. We're opposed to God. We're separated from Him. Without Christ, there is no peace with God. But Christ, the Prince of Peace, came so that we might be brought back into a relationship with God, into fellowship with Him. So there might be peace once more. And He accomplished this, of course, through His death there on the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, it makes it clear that Christ brought peace by the blood that He shed there on the cross. Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians 1 verse 20. It says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. It says at the start of verse 20 there, And having made peace through the blood of His cross. It was His shed blood. We just came around the Lord's table this morning and remembered what Christ did for us there on the cross. It was His shed blood that removed every obstacle that separated God and man, that separated us from Him. His shed blood makes it possible for mankind to now once more have peace with God. To enter into a sweet fellowship, a sweet communion with Him. And we enjoy that peace by placing our faith and trust in Christ, don't we? By coming and placing our faith and trust in Him and His finished work there on the cross. Romans 5 verse 1 says that we are justified by faith. Justified, we are declared righteous before God. And it's because we are justified that there is now peace. Because we're justified, we're no longer condemned by our sin. No longer do we stand separated from Him. Instead, now there is peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there is a wonderful relationship with God. Through Christ, instead of being the enemies of God, we are now the sons of God, able to call Him Father. It's a wonderful position of peace, isn't it? I wonder today, have you experienced that peace for yourself you know have you accepted Christ and in doing so found peace with God or are you still the enemy of God lost in your sins separated from him why don't you accept Christ today so you might have peace with God secondly this morning Christ came so that we might have the peace of God in our hearts he came so we might have peace with God but secondly, he came so we might have the peace of God. Go to Philippians chapter 4 with me this morning. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, once we are saved, once we have peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, once we're saved, we are now able to experience the peace of God in our hearts. In Philippians 4 here, Paul declares that the peace of God passeth all understanding. That phrase, passeth all understanding, means that it's a peace of the very highest kind. It's a peace like no other. It's a, a peace that the world can never know, they can never experience, and they can never hope to understand. Indeed, it's a peace that only believers can ever experience. You know, even though we experience it, it's still something we don't fully understand, do we? You know, the commentator Gusick writes this. He says, it isn't that it is senseless, and therefore impossible to understand, but that it is beyond our ability to understand and to explain. Therefore, it must be 
experienced. You can't explain it. You need to experience it for yourself, the peace of God. He goes on, he says, this peace doesn't just surpass the understanding of the worldly man. It surpasses all understanding. Even the godly man cannot comprehend this peace. You see, the peace of God in our hearts is truly a wonderful thing, isn't it? And it is something that is very difficult for us to explain to someone who's not saved. can't fully explain it. We can't fully understand it ourselves. But as believers, there is this wonderful peace in our hearts that comes from knowing God, from having a relationship with Him once more. It's the peace that Christ promised to give unto us in John chapter 14. Let's turn back there, John 14. John 14 verse 27. Christ says this, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now Christ here promises to leave this peace with us. He was talking to his disciples and he's making this promise to us as believers. He leaves this peace with us. He gives to us his peace. He says, my peace. And Christ here himself declares that this peace that he's given to us is not like the world's peace. He says that, doesn't he? He says, peace I leave with you, not, uh, sorry, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Christ himself says that this peace he's given us is not like the world's peace. It's not a shallow peace. As we said in the introduction, is based upon the absence of conflict or the absence of war and it's not a shallow peace based upon circumstances. No, it's a peace in our hearts. It's a peace that comes from knowing and walking in a sweet relationship with the Lord. That's where this peace comes from. It's a peace that results in a heart that is free from trouble and fear. When we have the peace of God ruling in our hearts, we are not afraid. There is no trouble. That's why Christ could say that at the end of verse 27. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why could he say that? Because he was giving them his peace. And he says, with this peace in your heart, you don't need to be troubled or afraid by the circumstances that are going on around you. You see, this is the peace that Christ himself had throughout his ministry here on earth. We talked about it earlier on. This is the peace that Christ exhibited. Commentator Morgan writes this, Christ carefully described the peace as my peace. His peace was a heart untroubled and unfearful in spite of all the suffering and conflict ahead of him. You see, beloved, this is the peace that we experience because of Christ. We experience his peace, the peace of God in our hearts. You know, back in Philippians 4, Paul goes on to tell us that this peace, he says, will keep our hearts and minds through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says it will keep our hearts and minds. That word keep means guard. And so this peace will guard our hearts and minds. It will guard us against anxiety, against agitation over the things of this world. Yet when trouble comes in this life, it's the peace of God. That brings us safely through. It's the peace of God in our hearts that protects us. 
commentator Butler writes this, he says, All the trouble and turmoil that besets us can be tranquilized through Christ. Make him the prince of your life, and though troubles beset you before and behind, he will give you that peace of God that calms and comforts as nothing else can do. You see, this peace that Christ gives to us is experienced as we draw nigh unto him, isn't it? It's experienced as we draw close unto him. It's his companionship that gives us this peace that tranquilizes all those fears, all those problems in this life. It's his companionship with us. You know, unconfessed sin in our life can, of course, hinder our fellowship with God, can't it? You know, it's the one thing that can steal our peace as believers, isn't it? Sin in our hearts that we don't want to deal with. That destroys our peace, doesn't it? We find ourselves in turmoil. You know, as believers, when we deal with our sin, we keep our hearts right before God and we abide in Christ. We're walking in close, sweet fellowship with Him, with the knowledge that He is with us, that He is by us every step of the way. There is nothing better than the peace that He gives us in our hearts. Now, this morning we saw the omnipresence of God. That's where that peace comes from, isn't it? It doesn't matter where we go. Christ is with us. And he gives us peace. You know, Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, we have nothing to fear because he is with us. That's where this peace comes from. It's the knowledge that he is with us, that he is our loving shepherd that gives us peace. And as we as believers now rest upon Him, as we trust ourselves to His loving care, as we take every problem, every care, every situation to Him in prayer, the Lord fills our hearts with peace. We saw it there in Philippians 4. Just turn back there quickly. Philippians 4 there in verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing... But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As we walk with the Lord, as we walk in sweet communion with Him, and we commit all of our cares to Him in prayer, the Lord gives us peace. Peace in our hearts. That keeps our hearts and minds. You know, Weasby summed it up well. He said, for the Christian... Peace is not a shallow emotion based on feelings or circumstances. Peace for the believer is a deep confidence and joy based on the victorious work of Christ there on the cross. It sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? It's not just a shallow emotion based on feelings or circumstances. No, it's based upon the joy and the confidence we have in Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. His work on the cross brought peace with God and His work on the cross gives us peace of God in our hearts. To know that we are forgiven. To know that we have a home in heaven. To know that Christ is our loving shepherd walking with us every step of the way. Beloved, that gives us peace that the world can never know. And if you're not saved this morning, you can't experience that peace. You need Christ. To have peace with God and have the peace of God in your heart. And finally this morning, consider with me the truth that ultimately Christ, the Prince of Peace, 
will bring peace from God down to earth. And so we see third this morning, peace on earth. Go to Isaiah chapter 2 with me. Isaiah chapter 2. And verse 3, Isaiah 2 and verse 3, it says, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now we've seen that Christ came into the world so that we might have peace with God, and so we might have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. You know, lastly, we see that Christ will complete his ministry as the Prince of Peace at his second coming. When Christ comes again, he will bring peace to earth. Under his rule, there will finally be peace on earth. As we said in the introduction, mankind wants peace, don't they? They long for it. They talk about it all the time. They want peace in the Middle East. They want peace in Europe between Russia and Ukraine. They want peace right throughout the world. This is the desire of mankind. It's the desire of our world leaders. But the reality is that there is no true peace without Christ, the Prince of Peace. And until he comes again and he establishes his kingdom here on earth, mankind will not have that peace they long for. Isaiah 9 verse 7 prophesies of Christ's rule here on earth. Verse 6 is what we've been looking at. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and the, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, verse 7 talks about his kingdom rule. Christ will come again at the end of the, the tribulation. And he will establish his kingdom here on earth. He will set up his governments. As verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There will be no end of his reign of peace. You know, he reigned for a thousand years here on earth in the millennial kingdom. And then he will continue to reign for all eternity in the new heaven and new earth. You know, with Christ on the throne, this world will finally experience peace. With Christ on the throne, all the the great promises of peace that are found in the Old Testament will finally be fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 11, it describes peace amongst nature. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together. 
and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover. See, Isaiah 11 describes the peace that will exist amongst nature itself. With Christ on the throne, the lion will lie down with the lamb. You see, things will be restored to as they were in the Garden of Eden, at creation. There will be peace amongst God's creation. In Isaiah 2, verse 4, which we read before, it describes the peace that will exist amongst the nations. Verse 4 there of Isaiah 2, it says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It says nation, will, nation after nation will destroy their weapons of war. They will turn them into farming instruments. Why? Because there's no need of them anymore. Because Christ is ruling on the throne. The conflict will be over. Peace will finally come to this earth. You know, the thing that mankind yearns for will finally happen when Christ, the Prince of Peace, is ruling and reigning. And beloved, that day is coming. But until then, you know, we patiently wait for His return, don't we? We patiently wait for Him to come again and take us home to glory to be with Him. And you know, while we wait, it's our responsibility to share His peace with this sinful, wicked world. You know, people are lost. They're on their way to hell. They're the enemies of God, they're separated from God. And beloved, we have the answer, don't we? We know the Prince of Peace. We need to take the gospel unto them so that they too might know peace with God and the peace of God ruling and reigning in their hearts. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Christ, the Prince of Peace. We thank you so much, Lord, that all those years ago, Christ left heaven's glory, came down to earth to bring peace, to make peace with God on behalf of all mankind. So we might have fellowship with you once more. We might be the sons of God, able to call you Father. We thank you so much, Lord, that through Christ, we now have the peace of God in our hearts as well. Lord, as believers, there's a peace that we can't really explain. A peace that is not affected by circumstances around us as we focus on you, as we walk in sweet fellowship with you. I pray that as believers today, Lord, we would know that each and every day in our hearts we walk close to you. Lord, I pray you help us to tell those around us about this peace, tell them about Christ, the Prince of Peace, so they might be saved before it's only too late. Lord, bless as we close, we pray in Jesus' name.